Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter Dr. and co-host. These shows are brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. Well, Heidi, we've got a really interesting show today because we were down in Parkland, Florida, at a day of healing with the Bob Resonini Foundation, and we met a wonderful woman down there who I know is dear to your heart because she's just a social worker, and she's doing some of those wonderful things that social workers know how to do with their fabulous training. So you want to introduce her to us, Heidi? I will. Um, her name is Lisa Zucker, and she, like you said, mom is a licensed clinical social worker. She actually got an award for the Social Worker of the Year in mm -hmm. 2018 in Broward County. The National Association of Social Workers honored her, which is a pretty huge award. Um, she's in private practice in South Florida, and she's helped to form a nonprofit called Professionals United for Parkland. And we're going to talk to her today about what people need after a traumatic loss and what she is doing to help the Parkland community after the recent school shootings. So welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You know, I was thinking, Lisa, before we get started, I mean, there are some people that are watching this and they may watch it in three years. Uh, can you give a little rundown on the Parkland, Florida shooting? We lost 17 people that day. There were also 17 injured. But the impact on the community, of course, reaches further than that. Um, the community has really rallied around these families, and we all feel connected to them. We hear about these things in the media, but when they happen so close to home, it really triggers a lot of people with their own losses, but also just to feel such deep compassion for these families. As a, as a therapist and as a social worker, we want to jump in and be able to help. And be clear connection to to find access to help people there were people going out to the park and people showing up at the school and trying to support but what we decided to do was to get together as mental providers and start an organization with a hotline which is where professionals united for parkland came from it was this idea that everyone in the community should have one number to be able to call to find out about individual support as well as group support and what we also found through conversations with Tuesday's children in New York and the Sandy Hook Foundation was that there's really this need for a direct line of communication between the community mental health providers and the people who were affected by this tragedy. So we've been trying to fill that gap. Wow, that is brilliant, isn't it, Heidi? Absolutely. I love that you saw a need and reached out and to figure out what you could do and reach out to other communities that had, had been impacted, um, like the 9-11 community and the Newtown community. We wanted to talk a little bit today because we want to give people hope. I mean, these tragedies are, are incredible. And we were talking to you a little bit about post-traumatic growth and what you've seen down there and what you've seen and what that means would mean. And Heidi always makes a comment. It's hard to hear that at first, right, Heidi? Yes, because I think if you go in initially to someone that's had any kind of a loss and say, what gifts have you been given or how have you grown or what have you taken from this in a positive way, it's almost like it minimizes our losses. We need to be, we need to be in a place where we can hear that. Um, and I know that, that Lisa knows this, and it's kind of a dance we always do, right? It's like, okay, how do you acknowledge and validate yet hold hope that things are going to get better? Yeah, you're right. And for every individual, it's a different 
process. For one person, they may want to hear that early on, and for another, they may not be ready until farther along in their grief process. But what we've seen coming out of is the community rallying around these individuals to help lift them up, to help them find post-traumatic growth. And in addition to that, these families on their own, you know, every one of the 17 families has started some type of service to the community, whether a foundation uh, or a memorial fund in honor that's providing scholarships. There's been a tremendous amount of political activism and they're making positive change and positive growth for all of us in the community because of what they've experienced. So we're grateful to them for that, that it's a gift to the rest of us that they're honoring the people that they lost by doing something with their memory and being able to create change in our community. One differentiation that we make is between resilience, which is the ability to bounce back. After you've experienced traumatic loss like this, I don't think you ever go back to who or what you were before because your world has changed so much. So what we see instead is this process where people begin to grow, that you find an inner strength and you find new people to connect to, that, that grief can rewrite your address book and mm. that you can find new possibilities for yourself, uh, changes in your spiritual connectedness and in the, the concept of personal strength. I think there are sometimes people you would expect to be able to be there for you who are not because of their own lost history or their own coping skills, where um, then you find groups like compassionate friends or, you know, people through the Open to Hope Foundation, and you find that there are all these new people available to you uh, who want to support you and who want to try to understand your individual grief. The Professionals United for Parkland hotline, um, helping with the individual therapy, but also community resources that are so important. So people can mm -hmm. find social and peer support as well as therapeutic support. What we see is that over time, people move towards, if they experience that type of post-traumatic growth, that there becomes this different appreciation for life, a deeper appreciation, um, that it can really change your outlook on the world in general. Rather than bouncing back to where you were, you grow as a human being. And we try to highlight that for people because there is a lot of growth that happens within loss. Not that it's a final place that you reach, that can coexist with the pain. And that we see people who go and connect with others try to find that for themselves and grow. Mm -hmm. Well, Heidi uh, talked before about that because we worked with 9-11 families that it was murder and it's murder here and uh, that can, things like murder and trials and things like that can really set back the grieving process, I think. Is that your thought? I agree with that. I also think it tends to re-traumatize because when you have a trial, every time it comes back up in the news, or people are talking about it again for political reasons or because the legal involvement is there, it, it resurfaces all of the emotions that somebody might have moved from and they have to deal with those emotions again. It's something that's there forever. On, uh, and, and, you know, you had mentioned the minimization of feelings that when everybody feels like they're grieving that loss together, we don't want to take away from the families who really lost people in this shooting. Right. Yeah. What, what's your thought, Heidi, about this? I'm thinking about when you have a trial also, and it's public like this, 
for the families as well as for the community, you are hearing details about that event that maybe you've never heard before. And so yeah. not only is it re-traumatizing, but it brings you into an even more traumatic space because you're being brought into the classroom and what exactly happened to those 17 kids. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So those can be roadblocks road to this post-traumatic growth that we've been talking about. Also, I know uh, with the 9-11 families and with my son's death, I know there were some uh, legal things that we had to go through in talking about their life. And actually, I hate to say it, but what their life was worth mm -hmm. has to be valued. Right, because there was, really there, weird. there was financial um, money that was given to the, the survivors. And yes, it was based upon how much they felt like they had lost financially by losing that person in their life. And it was tough because there was, we had to sit down with a lot of the 9-11 the families and say, okay, your husband died. Give us the roles that he played in the family. And, and if you had to pay somebody outside the family to do those, how much would you be paying them? So they had to not only look back on what he did, but look forward in the future to what he was not going to be able to, to do. Well, maybe he would have taught my son how to tie a tie. Now I have to pay someone to do that. How much is that worth? It was very strange and very, you know, business feeling. Um, and I'm sure that some of that is, is involved in other traumatic losses. Mm -hmm. And when you have a mass incident like this, it's not only the people who lost their lives, but have others that come into play that are seeking restitution as well. So the injured, people who were on campus, people who yeah. were in the community, and it does, it, it creates this sense of, well, who has the most value in this? And, and we don't like to view it that way. I think, of course, these families that lost individuals in the shooting, those are the people who were waking up on Father's Day just last week without their child. Yeah. And we can't compare ourselves in the community to something like that, but we can embrace them and we can try to help promote their growth as individuals by supporting them, which is what I feel the Parkland community and the Broward County community as a whole has been trying to do. Mm -hmm. I love that, Lisa. That is so powerful. So your, your whole community is kind of saying, okay, we're going to get through this together. Sometimes we might not know how, but we're going to all be in this together and wrap our arms around these families and around each other because even though the, the, the families had a, a serious loss, the community all suffered and had secondary trauma in some cases as well, because it, it was you know, a community, horrific community event that happened. And I love that you're there to, to be that, that sounding board, to be that place where people can get support and they can get help. Thank you. What, what kind of uh, uh, numbers are you getting about people calling in and how are you doing it? Do you have a phone that you pass around or how are you handling that? We have trained volunteers who are working on the hotline. They field the calls for us. We're also trying to promote as many groups as we can on our Facebook page and on our website. We have some wonderful resources in the community. We also have an unbelievable group of Douglas alumni who have been putting together different types of things to support the current students. And it's been incredible to see that. We've been getting a lot of feedback from the community, people calling into the hotline, just trying our best to direct them to those services. How great. And uh, those hotline people weren't there when you started. How they were not. This is all something we've been building from the ground up. Um, it's been incredible to watch from the very beginning and to be a part of. 
Um, and uh, we look forward to being able to continue to serve the community because we realize that this is going to extend its, its the long haul. This is not a quick thing that's going to be over quickly, especially because of you know things like the court involvement. Like we said, this is going to impact our community for a long time to come. Yeah, yeah, and the post-traumatic growth is going to be way down the road. That's right. <laughs> so how are you training you? How did you train your volunteers to answer the phones? Who trained them? Uh, the person who started our organization, Melissa Cornhouse, she's been in charge of, of all volunteers and getting everybody on board. We trained people who already had some experience um, with community involvement so that they weren't new at this game. They had an understanding of how to be able to support and help people. And most importantly, we're providing therapy over the phone. It's really just directing them to services. How do we find your website? The website is pu for the number four p.org. pu the number four p.org. Or you can find us on Facebook. It's Professionals United for Parkland. Okay, Pro Professionals United for Parkland. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and fabulous work that you're doing. I, I think it's very exciting. It's exciting to see what can happen um, and, and bringing people together, isn't it, Heidi? Absolutely, I love it. I saw it after 9-11. I moved back to New York City shortly after 9-11 and for 10 years watched the city not only survive but eventually thrive. And we did it as a community and we did it with people like you, Lisa. So I love that you are doing this and that you are helping the community as a whole to, like I said, not only to survive, but to thrive. Thank you so much for everything you're doing. Thank you. Thanks a lot for being on the show today. And uh, thanks everybody for watching this. And Heidi and I always want to remind you that if you lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own.